This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 15. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. Brought to you by Excess Sites. And I am your host. Oh, wait, hold on. Today, that's that's the that's the thing. Sorry, I don't have my script in front of me today, guys. Today is November 23rd, 2021, as of the recording of this podcast. It's actually Tuesday as opposed to Wednesday. We're doing this a bit, uh, you know, a day early. And uh, yes, the podcast is brought to you our t- by our title sponsor, Excess Sites. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by co-host and producer extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. You are stuck with me again, man. Stuck, uh, with, stuck with you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was, but I, I guess I'm stuck with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do it up, do a, do a shooter-ready challenge today, so yes, excited. Yeah. We will be discussing the most recent shooter-ready challenge, which, is, which, which was just published a few days ago. Uh, which is we're talking about ready positions as they relate to target acquisition efficiency. It's kind of the idea. We'll, we'll talk about ready positions generally. Uh, we'll talk about you know, your, your low ready, your high ready, your, uh, your, your compressed ready position, that kind of stuff. Okay, the most common stuff. Uh, we're not going to get into some of the more... Mm, nuanced things as far as like we're not doing temple index or anything like that if you consider that a ready position we will talk about position sool a little bit because i those are the four things i discussed in the shooter ready challenge this uh last week and so uh that's that's the topic today's episode sponsored brought to you by laserapp.com that is l-a-s-r-a-p-p.com makers of the LASR software, the laser activated shot reporter software that pairs very nicely with dry fire tools like a cert pistol or a ready up gear laser dot trainer. Okay. Anything that can emit a laser beam of light to impact a dry fire target, then that will, and you use it with your computer with a webcam, or you can use a laser X version, which is what I recommend with any internet connected mobile or computer device with a web browser uh, use it with your iPhone your Android phone your your uh, uh, laptops iPads ta- other tablets as long as you've got an internet connection and a, a browser you open up laser X launch it sign in and bam you, you're setting up a dry fire practice session using the most sophisticated software out there to do it, to, to, to do anything like that. And that's, what's really awesome about the laser app software. And you find it at laserapp.com again, L A S R A P P.com and uh, check it out guys. Okay. Monthly license is available, but I prefer just, you know what, taking, taking the, the splash, jumping in both feet. Okay. Buy the lifetime license. Trust me, you're not you're not going to regret it. Uh, it's a great thing maybe to ask for for Christmas too. All right, it's a great investment in your future as a shooter, uh, giving you lots of opportunities to practice and giving you lots of valuable training tools and data. That's that's hugely that's one of the big reasons why to even use a software like this in dry fire is to get 
very precise, measurable data, just like you can get the, at the live fire range with a shot timer and, an, and a live target. You can get a lot of the same kind of data in right on your screen, if your computer or tablet device. Our other sponsor is Next Level Training. You can find them at nextleveltraining.com, uh, makers of the CERT pistols and CERT training products. Uh, I highly recommend them. Okay, And for this month's Shooter Ready Challenge video, you'll see I use the P320 model of the CERT pistol uh, a fair amount. Didn't have to. I also demonstrated a little bit with the uh, laser dot trainer from Ready Up Gear in my normal carry pistol. Um, but, uh, you know, the Sir Pistol is really great because there's no, you don't have to do any reset with, you know, as far as like with my carry gun, if I'm using a laser cartridge, uh, laser dot trainer, I got to, you know, reset the slide every time between repetitions. Don't have to do that with the Sir Pistol. That's what's so great about the Sir guns is you just press the trigger and reset and keep pressing the trigger. Press, 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 press. Every time you can get a laser beam, the Laser X software is going to see that, going to measure those as hit or record those as hits in the software and give you the output time, okay, or output the time to you. So all valuable stuff and Next Level Training's CERT products together with LaserX software from Laser App. Just a powerful suite for dry fire practice right there. Check them out, guys. Appreciate your support of our sponsors that support us and allow us to do what we do. So, Matthew, let's get into our topic here, ready positions as they relate to target acquisition efficiency. Mm. You, you watched the video? I did. Yep. And you Sorry know, I you sip there. Got to <laughs> stay hydrated. No, I, I, I watched it. Um, and you know, before we get into it, I know you're going to have, uh, um, you probably have an idea of where you want to go with this, but before you even get into it, as the listeners are kind of thinking, okay, ready positions, what does that mean? And, and how does it relate to our efficiency and time um, in, in, you know, presentation from those ready positions, think about these four positions and in your own mind and see if the data bears out as we discuss it um, between a low ready, a high ready, a compressed ready in a Sewell position, just in your minds right now, think, you know, what would, what would be the quickest and what would be, what would take the longest? And then as we kind of talk about this, um, maybe you'll be correct. Maybe something will, will kind of uh, shock you here or, you know, surprise you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's first talk about the methodology that I used in this month's Shooter Ready Challenge, which was, you know, I worked my way through these different I guess, like like we refer to them as ready positions. Um, the first thing that we demonstrated was just a simple, com- you know, high compressed ready position. Okay, uh, which or I think uh, some people. Here's the problem in the industry. I see I see this amongst a bunch of other instructors. I see a lot of different things called different things. Sure. Right, like you say, high compressed. Like I saw saw a video the other day of somebody saying high compressed ready, and it was. And I understand the logic behind it. Okay, they actually had the gun oriented upwards about a 30 to 45 degree angle. And it was in here compressed close to the chest like this. I just I just call that a high ready. Okay. Guns oriented, the, the bore is oriented upwards, okay, in a in an upward or high, you know, angle, so a high ready. Um, but they were calling it a high compressed ready because you're compressed into the body and it's oriented upwards. 
Like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, I refer to a compressed ready as just in here to the chest, but 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 not oriented high. It's just it's actually oriented horizontally. Okay, here's the thing. I don't think of that compressed ready position as being an actual like ready position uh, in the in a real world context because I, I I can't think of a time that would be really appropriate to use. You know because if you're actually just holding the gun in a horizontal fashion in close to the body, wherever you turn, you're muzzling stuff, right? Well, I, I don't want to muzzle things I don't want to shoot. So then if I'm doing this and I have a target in front of me, well, that's fine. Now I've got a target and I can muzzle that target, right? Assuming that I've identified the target and I've made the decision I can shoot that target, then it's okay that I'm, I'm here oriented my, my muzzle at that. But then why am I compressed? Why am I not actually just out on target if I actually have a target that's been identified and I can shoot? Okay. The only time I could think that I would use anything like a compressed position like this would be actually just a compressed shooting position. Okay. So it's not a ready position in my book. Okay. So in other words, I could, I could use a two-handed grip and in tight to the body like this, I could shoot. Okay, maintaining some distance off of my chest so I'm not, you know, ramming the slide into my in, into my sternum as I'm firing shots, right? It'd, it'd be a modification of other types of retention position shooting or other types of retention shooting positions. There you go. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. It would be, but it'd be a two-handed variety. Okay. And there's a place for that potentially. So this is a, this could be a form of retention shooting, this compressed position all right uh but you'll see a lot of folks and and it it's it's fine for like a range training environment where you're on a flat square range where your target's down range of you or straight ahead of you and you can come in here to this compressed position and 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 do that and present to the target and shoot and come back in that's all fine but if we're talking about ready positions I, I think of a ready position as being a position that where my muzzle is averted in some fashion, but is also still ready for use. It's averted for, for a safety reason, right? Uh, using a high muzzle position means I don't, you know, I'm not muzzling things directly in front of me and I'm not muzzling things below me. Using a low ready position, I'm not muzzling things straight ahead of me or above me potentially, right? Okay, so you use, you use the, the position that's appropriate and applicable based on the circumstances, but uh, and you be the judge of what that position should be. Okay, I think the low ready is probably the most, probably the probably the, the better option to use in most circumstances. Okay, in in most environments, we're probably in a place where if we have our muzzle averted downward. And we were to torch off around into the ground, that's probably more safe than just about any other place we could torch off around. Okay. Particularly like, and this is assuming we're not on a multi-leveled structure where the, where the floor is not, or, or the floor is penetrable. Right. So like a residential, so like, for instance, I may not want to use a low ready position in my home environment where I may have bedrooms or potentially people below me. 
because that residential environment, that floor, that, you know, we've got a little bit of carpet, carpet padding, or maybe it's hardwood flooring or whatever, right? But that's not very much. You got some subfloor, some, you know, plywood of some kind or whatever. Uh, you've got maybe some, 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 some uh, joists, right? Some floor joists. And you might actually be in between those joists when a round goes off. You might go straight through a joist. You never know, right? But you can't count on it. So don't, so don't even factor joists into, into the equation. And you might have a piece of drywall on the, on the very, you know, underneath side of all of that, right? That's not enough to stop bullets. So residential environment, low ready might not be the best play if you, you know, but that's going to be dependent on your actual home. You live in Las Vegas and you're on the, on the main level. Built, everything built down there is on a on a, on a concrete pla- concrete pad. Okay, so you know, you, in other words, you got to understand the environment that you're operating within. Uh, in an outdoor exterior environment, most public places, in a parking lot, in a shopping center, uh, convenience store, whatever, and you're having to defend yourself away from the home. Well, low ready is again, it's probably the the best thing you could do high ready a little bit less preferable because if for some reason we send around up into the sky well it's got to come down somewhere okay but we got to choose the direction of least consequence so there's gonna be times where yeah maybe up into the air is not ideal but the alternative is not better okay and you gotta you gotta be the judge of when that might be all right Sometimes navigating in tight places, navigating your way out of a vehicle, sometimes using any form of a low ready or having the gun, the muzzle oriented downward is not ideal because it's hard to, hard to work your way through and out of a vehicle without muzzling your legs or other occupants. And so that's why you see a lot of guys go to a high ready, even a temple index t- you know, kind of thing as they are working their way through in and around a vehicle. So um, every situation and context is different and we got to understand those contexts. And so um, that's, 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 that's kind of the point here. All right. And, and, and it's not like you have to have one or, or, or several rote carry positions that like have to be this very strict, you know, orientation or whatever that's got to be memorized like it, it we can be using variations of different things all that matters in the real world context is that we avert our muzzles from the things we don't want to shoot okay so a low ready might in one case mean a downward at a 45 degree angle they might other times it might be a 60 degree angle other times it might be 20 degrees and our targets further off and we're just trying to keep it down below their feet or something to that effect okay so um, the real world, the fact is the real world is not a perfect place. It's not a square range. So we don't always have these like clear cut black and white rules we can simply abide by and always count on one or two or three ready positions being adequate for every situation. But in the shooter rate challenge, I, I basically just demonstrate a low ready, which I say is, I mean, you you may, you decide what that is. I I'm just keeping it down below my target, and and estimating like about that low is below my target's feet, you know, like in front of them. Okay, that's my low ready in the in the shooter aid challenge. High ready is is this, and it's about a it's about a forty five degree up. Okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it could be a little bit more, it could be a little bit less, but I'm basically just oriented slightly upward, 
and I'm looking over top the end of the muzzle of the gun. Like it's it's still in front of my face. Uh, and then we do the position tool. We talk about that. Okay. I think there's a context where Sewell makes sense. Um, and, and really what it is, is Sewell is what we use when we need a really, really, really tight, low ready position. All right. We can, we can still do it with the gun, just bringing everything in really close to the body. Uh, but one thing Sewell does a really good job of is keeping us, it allows us to use a very, very tight, low ready position, essentially, without muzzling our body. Okay. As long as we're upright. Okay. As soon as your your legs are, are substantially bent or you're seated, then it doesn't make so much sense. But if you're upright, if you're on your feet, okay, Sewell is great because what you're doing is by make, maintaining, and you'll see this demonstrated in the Shooter Aid Challenge video, by maintaining thumbs in contact, gun resting on the back of the palm of the support hand and all of that rested against the the chest okay center of your chest it's virtually impossible for you to muzzle your yourself okay and you and having this very very tight you know like i think some law enforcement refer to as a safety circle where you're in here like this and you got about a three or four foot diameter circle you can turn and spin around and as long as nobody's right immediately in front of you within like three feet of you, they're probably safe and you could be standing there like this talking to them. So, um, but anyway, the whole idea of all this was to take these different positions and put them on the shot timer clock in dry fire and to practice them. Use it as an, as an opportunity to practice presenting to a target from these different ready positions. Um, but we use the compressed ready position or just compressed shooting position as the baseline that's all that's intended to be so i demonstrate from there first so horizontal you know parallel with the ground compressed in close to the chest on the beep of the, of the laser app software laser x software boom to the target and send a shot as soon as i see a clean sight picture that's the baseline and then we test it against the low ready position a high ready position and position stool uh, speaking of which, in case it's not clear, okay, now many, some of you have been listening to the podcast a long time. We've been covering the Shooter Ready Challenges for a long time. Shooter Ready Challenges are found at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. And that whole website's just built for dry fire challenges. We do want, we do them once a month, okay? So every month we fill a new one, stick it up on ShooterReadyChallenge.com. So in case it was not clear what we're talking about here, that's where you find, that's where you find all of this. Uh, so there you go. Sorry. I, I rambled on there for probably longer than intended Matthew, but I was just kind of <laughs> explaining the different positions are used, um, the context for it all and what we were evaluating. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear from you, your thoughts on based on you watching this month's shooter ready challenge and seeing, you know, the, the, I guess the results of these different positions. And if there was anything that was unique or surprising to you about the different positions. Yeah, you know, um, and, and that's kind of why I, I started to ask the audience as you were going through these, explaining these different positions, um, to think about what they think would be the quickest. And 
obviously context is always matter always matters with what we're talking about right so it might not always be necessary to be the fastest position you may need a ready position that offers a specific um advantage you know um but it, it helps to understand the difference in speed and why in outside of just like the the um practicality of the time i think if you go through these different positions and what I liked in the challenge specifically in the video was you explained why certain positions may take longer than others. And if you think about the reasoning behind that, it can help you shoot better on in, in, in all of the positions because it really starts to, and I don't want to, you know, let the cat out of the bag before you kind of unreal, un, you know, reveal it, but it all relates to really your eyes and the, what you visually see quicker and sooner, um, a lot, uh, you know, for a lot of this. And so, um, if you, if you start seeing that, then you can start kind of applying that in other aspects of shooting. And I think that Jesse's you know, understanding the positions and mechanics of the different positions and why one might be a little faster than the other um, will help you, uh, uh, you know, uh, skill wise in, in, in all of the positions, which you should, you should practice anyways. Yeah. Um, that That's, I appreciate you actually mentioning like the why behind all of this is, is really important. Like, and I, I think that's true of everything we do. I think we should always know the why's, why we do what we do. Um, I will say this, like going into this, I, I had never put these different positions against each other directly on the clock in quite this fashion. And so I was really surprised. I mean, I, I would have predicted that low ready would be probably the fastest position to get on target from. Um, but to be consistently really almost basically about two tenths of a second faster. I actually, I don't know if I would have predicted it'd be quite that much. I mean, we're, we're talking getting on the, we're, we're getting in the ballpark of almost a quarter second faster. Uh, you coming from a low ready to the target, than pretty much any of these other positions. Uh, the position tool was the slowest one by far. Uh, by far, like it was when, when compared to low ready, there was quite a, I mean, that's where there was like pretty much about a quarter second difference in time. Uh, Sewell and that compressed, you know, the, the baseline position were both very similar, but Sewell was a couple thousand or a couple hundredths of a second slower, which makes sense because I can actually be compressed in here pretty tight and still get close to, or mostly a, a full two handed grip on the gun. But as soon as we go to Sewell, we got to actually break the grip, right? So, Coming out of Sewell, we got to rebuild grip and get to the target. Um, but the other, the one that did surprise me a little bit was, I mean, again, I think I could have predicted this to some degree, but it was just interesting to see how all the data sh shook out. Um, I, I don't know if I would have pre quite predicted that the high ready position was almost perfectly in between low ready and the baseline compressed position. Uh, and I know the reason why, and we talk about it in the video and shoot a raid challenge, but I don't know if I would have quite, I, I think I would have thought it was going to be a little bit closer to the baseline 
or even the position tool. I, I would have thought those would have been a little bit closer. And so instead, in case, guys, I, I'm not going to give you all, all the answers. And actually, the answers aren't really the most important p- part here. Really, what is important is that you go to shooterradychallenge.com and you follow along and participate in these monthly dry fire challenges. Like That's the whole reason we do it. We put it up there just to give folks an idea of some dry fire training and drills and things to do. And you know, it's like, hey, here's, here's this month's challenge. So, boom, go to the site, follow along. Here, here's an idea to do for, and if you only do it for a few days, do it for a week, do it for, or even if you do do it for the whole month, like you, you work on a little bit each day, like whatever. That, it, it, that's all on you to decide just how much you want to invest into your own dry fire practice, a- including these specific challenges. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, so I'm going to tell you what the actual numbers are. Uh, my point there is that, hey, it, regardless of what the, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you any secrets away. I actually don't care if I give any secrets away. I still want you to go and watch and participate and make this part of your, your dry fire routine. But basically what we found is that uh, the baseline is about 0.6. I mean, I could throw down some sub 6, 0.60 second you know, presentations from here to there to the target. And let me be clear that what dictates when I send the shot in the video is when I see an acceptable sight picture. That's important. Okay. Cause I can, I can obviously just throw it out there and hit the trigger. I could do any one of those positions substantially faster just, just by doing that and and, and relying upon so-called point shooting. Um, but it's all about like, when am I going to see an acceptable sight picture? Okay. Send shot. Um, so, so the uh, the baseline position was about a 0.65 was the about the average uh, position. Sewell was like a 0.68 point. Yeah, about 0.68 getting close to the 0.7. Uh, the high ready position was low 50s, like 0.50 point somewhere between 0.50 and 0.55. Uh, and then the low ready position 0.4, somewhere in that ballpark. And so, uh, again, the point is, is that clearly the low, low ready position is if, if, if there, if we were going to choose, let's just suppose, and again, it should all be context dependent, but if we were going to choose a so-called ready position based on efficiency of getting a target, the low ready is what you'd want to use. And the whole reason the low ready is more efficient than everything else is because you're already extended your arm. I mean, you can do a very a variation of a low ready where you kind of compress your arms in a little bit. That's obviously going to cost you a little bit. Um, but if we're just out there, arms extended with the muzzle of the gun just de-elevated, so down towards the ground, then we can already have our full master grip, two-handed grip, everything, you know, support hands fully engaged. Everything is already done. All, all that's changing is bringing the gun up to target. It's not, and it doesn't require much effort. So um, that it, it's as simple as that. Everything else, we are compromised in some degree. The grip is com- compromised somewhat, and we still have to get out to the target. Okay. Now, some people, I want to hear your thoughts, Matthew. And, and I'll be honest, like this is something that I that I taught for years because I. I got it in some of the own some of the training I went through years ago myself. But there was this this attitude that or this idea that if you were as you were drawing your gun, 
Okay. And, and you may still be in this ballpark and that's, that's fine. That's why I'm asking you. I just, I want to have a discussion about this, but the idea is that when we are drawing our gun and beginning to mount it or present it to the target, that we would do so kind of in a horizontal fashion mm-hmm. and that it's, you know, we should be able to start picking up the sights somewhere up here. Uh, Jeff Gonzalez refers to this as our sight box. You know, at some point we get the gun drawn, we get it up here, it enters our sight box, we're presenting out to the target more in a lateral fashion. And the idea being that we'd be able to pick up sights, align sights a little bit sooner. The gun's already oriented to the target. And if I can shoot sooner than full extension, then, well, okay, that's an option. I can do so. Uh, the alternative or the other thought process would be anything that's not that um the more common popular thing that's being taught in some circles including like scott jelinski with modern samurai project is that he actually comes in with the muzzle slightly high as it's going to the target which is a bit Mm -hmm. different than what you know again for about the last decade decade and a half has been taught with this more lateral presentation to the target so what what are your thoughts on that as far as i mean looking at i mean what do you think is actually the more efficient approach i guess yeah i i know i know scott uh jedlinski modern samurai project he is very um as far as efficiency goes he is very he, he analyzes movement and speed and times and is, is very um, analytical in that, in that sense. Um, I think Jeff's teaching is more practical. I don't want to say practical, like, like Scott's isn't, but less, you know, splitting hairs between a hundredth of a second um, and more like, how can I manipulate the gun and get it into the fight? You know? Um, And I, I, I'm not saying that Scott isn't, um, because he can shoot faster than than I can, and he he, he obviously gets the gun into the fight very quickly. Um, I I don't know. I haven't done enough research to say one would be faster across a wide group of different people shooting either irons and red dots. If maybe more red dot, you know, bringing that 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 sight down a little bit with red dots helps be able to, to, to see the red dot quicker. I do know that in my, in my training or, or what, what I like to tell in general, um, is it, the sooner you can see the sights, the sooner, even peripherally, not, not, you know, that your sight focus, but the sooner your sights get into a field of view, the better. And if the gun is oriented towards the, the threat, and you sooner then that's also better. And so if those things happen instantaneously, as you bring the gun up, or if the sights lead the muzzle just slightly and it doesn't really affect the, the you know, the timing there um, and it helps you pick up your red dot or your sights a little bit better, I would say, you know, go for it. Um, but I think in my estimation, it's the key is get your sights in, in your field of view um, sooner and have the muzzle oriented towards the, tar- towards the threat soon, as soon as possible. So that way, if you have to deploy the gun before you reach full extension, or some people don't even shoot at full extension, right. Um, uh, you know, with a little bit of arm, arm, arm bent, um, you, you, you know, you're, you're in a position sooner, I guess 
I, I don't know if that answers your question um, or not. I, I think you're like being too diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So you, you just said something that's kind of interesting. Like some people don't even, sh- or some people shoot without even a f- true, like full extension. I would say it's certainly true of myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, like some people would think of a full extension as being like arms fully extended, elbows locked. Right. Uh, I don't think you need to define full extension as that because I don't think anybody should shoot really like that. Uh, I, I try to not stray into the world of absolute statements, but pretty much what is consistent right now is almost nobody in the know. Okay. In the end, K-N-O-W uh, <laughs> recommends shooting like arms fully extended, elbows locked. Uh, at the very least, from a anatomical, physiological perspective, like that's basically bad. You, you will beat up your elbow joints a lot faster shooting that way than if you have a slight bend in your elbows. So there's plenty of shooters where I'd say they're basically shooting at full extension, but it's like fully extended, but elbows are just not locked. Okay. I'm a little bit back of that. And my buddy, Charlie Perez is always, he's like, dude, you need to get a little bit more out there. He, he feels like I'd have better control over the gun. I'm still experimenting with that. Um, part of the reason I ended up where with my slight retraction of my, of my hands in my, uh, extended arms. Part of the reason why I ended up there was actually because of Scott Jelinski and experimenting with different amounts of extension uh, based on some things he he said to me. And I objectively measured at that time when I tested things that where I currently have my arms extended and my elbows bent was the most effective for me. Uh, that I had the most control, the most consistent recoil uh, uh, tracking pattern. Okay. Charlie disagrees with that, but it's something, uh, you know, I'm experimenting with. And that's what's cool about shooting is there's always, you know, like, I, you, you, and he, the other thing too is that over the time, like as a shooter, you make other changes and advances and you grow in other ways. And maybe what was effective at one time becomes, or maybe what was slightly less effective at one time, maybe becomes more effective again now that maybe some other things about your Mm -hmm. technique has been tweaked. That's something that's actually really important to understand for some of you more discerning shooters and shooters that are a little bit more tuned in with with your actual technique and and performance uh, uh, outputs. and so it's one of those things I have to ask the question, well, like, hey, this at one time, you know, the slightly, mo- slightly more compressed arm position over what I used to do, maybe this was better at one time, but maybe now something else re- regarding my arm position and my elbow bend would be a little bit more effective now, you know, so something I'm experimenting with. Anyway, I just want to touch on that as a bit of a sidebar conversation, but some people, again, as you touched on, would say that, well, hey, if I don't have to extend fully out to the target if i'm traveling less distance i can begin shooting sooner uh and that that would be more efficient that's there's probably some truth to that okay um but if 
you are missing out on some recoil management or recoil control by having things more compressed than you otherwise would, then, you know, that, and that ends up not being in the, in the long run, as far as like a sustained string of fire that ends up not being as efficient. Just something to think about. Okay. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different for every person because everybody's technique is going to be a little bit different. Everyone's got their own best technique. Now, relating to whether we come in with muzzle slightly high or things more parallel with the ground, here's what I have. Here's what I have observed, Matthew, is that um, for a long time I was real dead set on no, you got to come in muzzle level or gun level to ground and straight out. Okay, uh, I have objectively measured this that coming in with my muzzle slightly elevated and then basically the way, this is how my, how I, how my brain thinks of it, that I basically observe the muzzle going out to target. So muzzle slightly high muzzles going to target as muzzles going to target rear sight or rear dot. And I think this is a f- especially effective for me on a, on a red dot, mm-hmm. the dot come or, you know, the actual optic itself, the optic body comes up behind muzzle. And then obviously slightly over that. And as that's happening, then eventually I see the red dot drop from the top of the window of the optic into the window. And that's basically Jedi's technique that you're going to see that dot drop in through the top of the window what so what i have objectively measured is that that has worked faster and more consistently for me than with this level to ground presentation technique uh what i see and observe and think of it when i pay attention to it is that i'm basically sticking muzzle up on target and then muzzles going to target and everything else is just following it and what I like about the dot dropping in from the top of the window is it's the same visual stimulus mm-hmm. as what you'll see anytime you're actually shooting the gun. Because every time you're shooting the gun with a red dot, especially you're going to see dot lift and then dot return. It's going to go up and then it's going to come right back down. And so when we're presenting to the target and the dot just comes down, that becomes its own form of a stimulus that when I see that, I already know where my, like, I can predictively send the shot, the very first shot, based on, oh, there's a dot, send the shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I like that. Now, now, devil's advocate, right? If I present the gun at a more level orientation to the target, what I'm going to end up with is that everything's level, everything's level. I see the optic window come into view. I see my target. You know, I'm obviously watching my target. And then at some point, all of a sudden, the dot just will appear. And that's fine if you have a really, really sound index. Uh, I have a sound index. And I've still measurably found that the muzzle coming in high and dot dropping in from top is is slightly better for me, slightly faster, and overall more efficient for me. Um, here's the other thing. If your index isn't perfect and you are just expecting to see dot appear, uh, it's great when it does. Okay. But if your index is a little bit off and you get out there and you're like, where's my dot? 
and you kind of don't really have any idea where it is. Now, when we get into this habit of where the the dot's going to drop in from the top, if I don't see my dot yet, it's 90 plus percent of the time because I have not yet fully engaged my support hand grip. And that simply by doing so increases more tension on the base of the grip, the pinky, you know, power pinky pressure kind of concept. And then also the dot goes, loop, and it's like, oh, there it is. And at the very least, you should see the dot pass by through the window somewhere when you're, when you do that. Uh, if you just simply throw the gun out there, dot could be left, dot could be right, dot could be low, dot could be high. Okay. Again, though, if we get in this habit of where hands meet, gun goes to target, dot drops in. More often than not, it's going to it, it it'll it'll sweep through that window. And if it doesn't, make sure that support hand grip is engaged, and that'll usually be enough to. Whoop, there it is. Okay. And if it's slightly left, slightly right, well, it might be a little bit left or right in the window, but it's almost always going to be somewhere in there. That's just worked. That's how, that's how it's worked for me. And it's been a little bit more consistent that way for me. So I've, 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 I guess what I'm saying is there, there's, you know, there's, there's a point in time where you think, you know, all that you need to know about a certain topic or subject. And you think, well, this is the way to do it. And I'm going to do it that way consistently for forever and ever now. And that's what I'm going to teach. I think uh, different strokes are different folks. And, and I do think that probably for a good proportion of folks, maybe even a majority of folks that maybe certain things may work better, may prove to work better for a larger majority of folks. But it doesn't mean that's how it has to be. It doesn't mean you can't be effective with their techniques. And, uh, doesn't mean that, you know, there, it, it simply means there is not one answer for every single person in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where, you know, when you ask me that question, it, it's hard for me. I've been, I've been trying to maybe for the last, you know, six months kind of purposely do this, uh, that presentation with, with the muzzle slightly, you know, uh, raised and dropping the site down. Um, I will tell you that I do, see because i'm using a dot as well uh the the optic is i do pick up the optic sooner my dot sooner um it it, more consistently i I guess i would say um and um but i haven't done any you know um any time on that and so you know comparing time and since you have um i defer to you on, on you know um what you find to be more efficient um, but I would I would recommend that you know anybody who's listening to go and and, and apply this yourself you know like um, because like like you just said it might makes it might make sense for ninety nine percent of the people that this this works more efficiently or it's it's faster for most people but maybe for some people you know they they want to they want to present it that way and that's how they do it and and you know go for it and and practice and then maybe i i here here's where i am i think at certain points in our shooting um growth as we mature or grow as shooters um you you mentioned this earlier it might not be so much that 
you know, um, somebody might be trying this, this, you know, muzzle raise dropping down method and say, you know what, I've done it and, and it's, it takes me longer. Well, it might not necessarily be the technique is, is, is slower than another thing. It might be that you have to work on something else that's causing this, this presentation to be a little bit slower. Um, and so I think as you, you try these different positions, you try to work, work things out, understanding what the end goal is and the purpose, maybe you'll start picking up things that, you know, you improve on other things like getting your, you know, the, the, the ring finger or pinky finger more engaged. Maybe you'll, you know, you'll realize, Hey, I'm not getting my support hand engaged as much. I'm overriding with my, my dominant hand. So, so here, you know, and we're applying this to, well, I'm trying this new technique and it's not working. Well, that might not be the reason necessarily. So I think as you go through these drills and different presentations, um, it might expose other things, maybe deficiencies that once you work those out, um, you'll, you'll find like Riley did, and maybe I will, uh, if I put, <laughs> put it to the time, um, that, that one method is, you know, universally either quicker or more, more consistent than the other. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what you just said there is uh, very, very, very wise. Um, those are those are wise words. <laughs> the I am if there's one thing I'm convinced about now, it's that um, the best technique that works for me right now may not be the right or best technique for me in the future. Because that's already been proven true for me in my own, you know, personal journey in development as a shooter, uh, which, you know, we just, we've already touched on, I touched on this and, and this is related to what you just said, which I think was very, very, very wise, um, that, uh, the, er, there are so many variables to all the stuff that we do with a gun in our hands that we make one little change somewhere and that, that one change May re- may result in a benefit to to the thing that we immediately are trying to um, impact to improve, but it may impact something else in you know somewhere something else somewhere else in our in our shooting and in our shooting technique, uh, and that's really important to recognize and understand. Okay. Uh, you know, you make certain tweaks, especially when we're talking about like stuff like grip. Yeah. You, you make some little tweak to your grip thinking, well, by doing that, I'm going to gain a little bit more pressure on the lower portion of the grip, or I'm going to get a little bit more, uh, meat and contact and more pressure on the side panel of the, of the grip of the gun or the, you know, that whatever it is. Right. But doing that may mean that you if that you lose something somewhere else okay i mean it's like when I, if i try to grip my gun like bob vogel grips and a lot of people will look at bob vogel i like to use him as an example because he is the he is the master when it comes to like gripping up really 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 high with support hand on on the gun if i try to duplicate bob vogel's grip i lose contact with my support hand in the effective parts 
on the left side of my pistol, me being a left hand, you know, left support hand shooter. I'm right hand dominant, right? Uh, if I if I contort and twist and torque my hand the way Bob Vogel does, it has some benefit in certain aspects of the grip of the gun, but it hurts me in other places. Okay. My hands are shaped and they twist and contort differently than Bob's does. And then, so that's, that's why some of these things are so important to, to be unique and customizable to the individual, especially with things like grip. That's why it's far better to uh, focus on principles rather than specific techniques. Simply that's, that's where we, that's the part where we are understanding the, the whys behind what we do is mm -hmm. what am I trying to affect here? What am I trying to impact? Looking at how the gun moves, how it travels, you know, how it tracks and recoil, all that stuff. And what am I trying to impact? And that's being a little bit more principle focused than just simply applying a technique because we saw somebody else do that technique. And therefore that's the way to do it. Well, it might be for them, but not necessarily for you. And then again, as you evolve and adapt as a shooter, it becomes you know more skilled, and you make other tweaks elsewhere that it may end up affecting other things you did earlier in your shooting journey. So anyway, yeah, well, I did not expect to end up on this uh, <laughs> on this topic, but it, it sure <laughs> came up, and I think this is this is really really. Um, important stuff to understand, especially for those of you that are a little bit more advanced and you're, you're kind of maybe at that place in your journey where it's sort of like at a turning point where you're, you're pretty good, but it's like, you're trying to find that, that next threshold to get past. And, and as, as you start doing, making some of those advances, this is where you're going to start running into some of these things like we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, in, in even in the, the shooter ready challenge, we're, you're talking from like the, the slowest to the fastest is what, like less than a quarter of a second. So we're not talking about going from a three second draw time to a, you know, a 0.99. We're, we're talking about like efficiency and, and like minuscule micro adjustments that, you know, ha, ha, once you get to a certain threshold, trying to what can I do to make it a little bit more, you know, effective? And it's not as the big as, you know, a, a, as big of a bang as, you know, some other techniques. But um, if you can shave off a tenth of a second and be more consistent in picking up your sights and what you're seeing, you know, um, tracking your sights through the shot, I think, you know, the benefit goes far beyond a, a tenth of a second. It goes into how you see your sights, how you're, you're taking when you're taking shots, how you're, you know, so um, it, it, it starts to kind of like spread into other areas of the, of the fundamental, you know, basic fundamentals of shooting. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Um, well, we kind of, you know, detoured there a little bit, but I mean, we talked quite a bit earlier on about the different ready positions and, and kind of what the numbers ended up being and what, generally proved to be the most efficient of those positions the, the point here and the big takeaway is guys you should be well, let me back up we've done a lot of shooter rate challenges and a lot of dry fire uh work where a lot of times we're starting from the holster the, this was a uh, actually an a, 
an epiphany that came, you know, as a result of a conversation with Jacob when he and I were talking about shoot read challenge stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, we, we have completely neglected coming from other positions with the gun in our shooter ready challenges. Uh, that is a relevant thing. You should practice it. You should be, you should be able to get your gun on target effectively from different positions. It's as simple as that. Okay. Always doing it from the holster. I mean, that is an important one, obviously, because there is, there is this thing called having to draw and use your gun, you know, right now. Uh, but there are times where we might end up drawing and going to, you know, not immediately going right to the target for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, we, we may be in a situation in these, these, you know, it's hard to talk specifics. Like, well, if, if this and this, this happens, then, you know, you do this. Um, but it, it, we, we certainly see examples of this where, you know, it's appropriate to draw, but maybe, maybe you're not quite going to the target. You're going to low ready. All right. And having the ability to go from there to there in a consistent, efficient manner is, is good. Like you should practice it. That's the whole point of this, this month's shooter ready challenge, practice the high ready, practice the low ready, uh, practice some of these other positions too. That's all fine. Okay. Uh, and uh, and and also be thinking about when using different positions are appropriate, based on you know like do a little war gaming you know as far as like oh well you know if if I was in this environment or that environment or this place or uh, whatever it is think about the different circumstances where it would be appropriate to use different muzzle aversion positions. So that you don't muzzle the people that you shouldn't muzzle, and that the gun's ready for use on somebody that you should point your gun at when when the time comes, and you you need to get shots on on them, you know, efficiently and effectively. So that's it. That's all I got, Matthew. Any uh, last uh, summary words about this topic? No, no. It was a it was a good uh, it's a good drill. A good uh, not drill. Um, it was a good exercise in you know, understanding that there is something to do with the gun when it's, you know, when it's not in the holster or you're not actively pressing the trigger, there, there are things that you need to still be competent in, in handling the gun and how to, uh, there are different ready positions, positions that, um, afford you the ability to, uh, deploy the gun even after it's out of the holster and you haven't shot or you have shot um, and, and you know there's a low and maybe it picks back up but what do you do in those those times with the, when the gun's not in the holster and if you watch anybody who engages targets um, multiple targets at different you know um, you know it, it's it's a threat and then it's a pause and then they don't know how long it's going to take and then it's a threat if they don't know what what's going on in between, they're likely to either just stay aimed in or they completely disengage and go to a, you know, a super low ready, almost like an administrative, you know, the guns way down. Um, so they're kind of like, I'm not sure. So if that's you practice these different positions and it, within context uh, that, that which one will, will be most effective will start to uh, mm-hmm. be evident. I think if you, if you kind of war game this stuff. Yeah. Well, folks, I think that's going to be uh, a wrap for this topic today. We do need to uh, 
announce our weekly giveaway winner, uh, which is, uh, you know, every week you can go sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. What are we giving away today, Matthew? Well, we're giving away a package of nine millimeter dummy rounds. Cool. So some ready up gear, nine mil dummy rounds. Awesome, awesome little product. Uh, you know, I've got a bunch of them and I load them up in my mags for dry fire practice. Uh, so that, it, I mean, when you use these and you fully load a mag, it's not quite full true mag weight, but it's, it's, there's, there's still some substantial weight there. So it's good to practice your reloads and stuff, uh, with a weighted mag. So, uh, anyway, we're gonna give away some of those next week's giveaway price. Next week, we're giving away one of your favorites and my favorites, too, uh, and Mitch, our social media guy's favorite, because he appears in it quite a bit, a Draw Like the Pro course. Draw Like nice. the Pro. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good one. I think it's helpful for a lot of people uh, if they're looking to pick up some extra tips and, and ways to draw more efficiently. Check out the Draw Like a Pro course. Uh, one lucky winner will get a free copy next week. So make sure you sign up at pod, or concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Uh, so who's our lucky winner of today's dummy rounds? Winner is Jake from State Farm. No, just Jake. I don't know his last name. I'm not going to tell you guys. Jake. but Jake. All right, Jake. Congratulations, Jake. Matthew has probably already sent you an email notifying you that you have won. If you uh, want to claim, well, you better claim. Okay, if you don't do it within a certain time frame, he, he tells you right mm-hmm. in the email, you may miss out on the opportunity. So make sure you check your emails. Well, and, folks. And Mark oh. mentioned Black Friday sighting. Oh, starting. yeah. Good, good, good. Yes, that's correct. Black Friday sale kicks off this week for us. Uh, particularly, you know, we do the annual sale in a big way for Guardian Nation members. Uh, Guardian Nation members save. Well, it's the one of the biggest sales we do all year for, for GN members. So, guys, we got to let you go. Thanks so much for being a part of this with us today. We will be back here a little bit later uh, for more great content for the Concealed Carry Podcast. Until then, take care. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Take care.